Thank you all for coming. My name is Mickey Amory, and I am Alberta's Minister of Justice and Attorney General. I am pleased to be here on Treaty 6 territory. I also acknowledge the Métis people who, shape it, who share a deep history and connection with this land. I want to thank the Minister of Public Safety and Emergency Services, Mike Ellis, for joining me here to make this very important announcement today. We'll hear from him shortly. Thank you, Chief Dale McPhee, for hosting this announcement at the Edmonton Police Headquarters. I also want to thank Mayor Sohi for joining us for this announcement. I want to recognize the President and COO of the Oilers Entertainment Group, as well as representatives of Chinatown and the Area Business Improvement Association from our vibrant downtown committee who are here today as well. And finally, I'd like to recognize Tricia Smith from Radius Health. Thank you all for coming. We have gathered here today in the heart of Edmonton's downtown core with the ICE District to our north, a neighborhood filled with offices, restaurants, stores, and an energetic business community. It is also a neighborhood where a dramatic rise in criminal activity has caused enormous damage to its economy, its reputation, and its morale. There is an increasing sense that our justice system is not holding criminals properly accountable for their actions and letting the public suffer the consequences, and this is simply unacceptable. People should feel safe and protected when they ride the transit or go about their daily business in the downtown core, which is why our government is introducing new measures today to reverse these alarming trends. The first of these measures is the creation of targeted units within the Alberta Crown Prosecution Service. Teams of Crown prosecutors with various areas of expertise will go after crime in Alberta's largest cities, especially in matters involving violence and targeting repeat offenders. These prosecutors will be tasked with familiarizing themselves with the downtown communities in Edmonton and Calgary and the types of crimes that are being committed. They will also be a key point of contact for law enforcement on files involving repeat violent offenders who are making our downtown communities unsafe to work, live, and do business. For these units to work effectively, we will make sure that they have the proper resources and the tools to prepare effective prosecutions and to keep Albertans secure and protected. They will be assisted in that goal with our second initiative, which is changes to the bail practice protocol. This document provides advice to prosecutors to use when arguing for what bail conditions, if any at all, should be sought for accused individuals. The updated protocol places a greater priority on public safety at bail hearings for repeat violent offenders. Many of these individuals pose a significant risk of reoffending if they are released on bail, significant enough to keep them off our streets while their cases are being tried. Bail reform is, of course, ultimately a matter for the Federal Justice Minister Arif Varani to act on. And while we wait for federal bail reform legislation, Bill C-48, to hopefully become law, we will do what we can as a province to support our prosecutors in effectively dealing with offenders who have repeatedly demonstrated a lack of respect for their Albertans, fellow Albertans and the rule of law. The third initiative which we are introducing today will address an issue of concern for me. 
In 2017, what was then the Ministry of Justice and Solicitor General introduced the triage practice protocol, which resulted in some prosecutions not proceeding, even if they were in the public interest and had a reasonable likelihood of conviction. This protocol directed prosecutors to not try cases that were deemed less significant. This government does not sub subscribe to that notion. Eliminating the triage practice protocol will help address violent crimes in our communities and ensure that viable charges are all prosecuted. Together, these initiatives will help make our downtown communities safe and put criminal organizations and repeat offenders on notice that Alberta has had enough. I refuse under my watch to give any perception that Alberta is a safe haven for criminal activity. I wanna make it absolutely clear that criminals are not welcome here in Alberta. Nothing is off the table. We will do whatever is necessary to make sure that criminals and especially repeat violent offenders are held accountable for their actions. At this point in time, I would like to hand over the podium to my colleague, Mike Ellis, the Minister for Public Safety and Emergency Services, who will talk more about the crime fighting measures our government is taking at the street level. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, Minister Amory, and uh, I'm pleased to be here today to support the Edmonton Police Service and our municipal partners in their continuing efforts to address crime and uh, disorder in the inner city. And to reaffirm the provincial government's commitment to doing whatever it takes to ensure Albertans are safe and protected in their communities. Like all uh, law enforcement services in Alberta, the Edmonton Police Service operates independently from the government's day-to-day uh, -day, uh, decisions about how uh, EPS is deployed, its officers, uh, they conduct investigations, and that, of course, rests entirely on the Edmonton Police Service. Chief McPhee was, is going to speak in a moment about their strategies to address violent crime and social disorder and open-air drug use, but let me uh, say right here and right now that Alberta's government supports uh, EPS's approach, and we will continue to ensure that the police in our municipalities right across the province have the appropriate tools to ensure that citizens are safe and the criminals are being brought to justice. The public safety challenges facing our cities have changed, forcing uh, the uh, police and policymakers to really adapt and uh, respond. Police uh, could once say with a high degree of confidence that random and unprovoked attacks were actually rare. However, recent homicides and violent assaults uh, against innocent citizens in Calgary and Edmonton uh, are a departure from those old norms. This disturbing rise in stranger and stranger violence is a huge concern for me. Uh, during my policing career, you would uh, often hear uh, that the victim was known to the offender. But now we are seeing a rise in violent attacks and citizens who are just going about their everyday business. Law-abiding citizens should not have to live in fear that, they, that they'll fall victim to this kind of violence. As a civilized society, we cannot tolerate violence against others or in our midst for any reason. Because as citizens, you have the rights and you have rights as well. You have the right to walk down the street without being violently attacked. You have a right to take transit to work without inhaling secondhand crystal meth smoke. And you have a right to walk uh, downtown without being caught between clashes of violent organized crime gangs. Upholding these fundamental values requires uh, backing them up with action. The federal government has failed to deliver meaningful bail reform to protect upstanding Canadians when it comes to C-75 and C-48, 
And Alberta's government cannot sit by idly. So we are taking action, and we're taking action now to ensure that people are protected in their communities and feel safe where they live, where they work, and where they play. Province-wide, our actions uh, represent a zero-tolerance approach to these violent repeat offenders who are preying on our most vulnerable. It's organized crime uh, that is targeting our homeless population who are battling mental health and sometimes addictions issues. And to those gang members out there, I will say enough is enough. We're taking action on a number of fronts in addition to what Minister Amory has shared. First and foremost, uh, we are providing funding for the 100 new frontline uniformed police officers for both Edmonton and Calgary. That's 50 in each city. Uh, These new officers will protect people by increasing the visible law enforcement presence where it is needed in the city's core and on transit systems and in other high-priority areas. We know police visibility makes a difference. Full stop. That's why uh, we, earlier this year, we deployed members of the Alberta Sheriffs in uh, both Edmonton and Calgary as part of a pilot project working alongside police officers patrolling inner-city neighbourhoods and engaging with people uh, in these communities. Uh, Here in Edmonton, we've agreed to extend the deployment until the end of 2023 at the request of EPS because there are encouraging signs that the initiative is actually making a difference in the community. And because we know that we can't arrest our way out of this problem, police and sheriffs are also providing help to the vulnerable people by transporting them to local shelters and social service agencies or offering to make those connections in certain cases when people decline support. And as I've said many times before, people struggling with addiction deserve the same compassion and support that is offered for any other medical condition. Alberta's government is ensuring that people struggling with addiction uh, have access to a continuum of services, uh, from prevention to intervention to treatment and, of course, to recovery. Alberta is increasing access uh, to long-term recovery by adding 10,000 new publicly funded addiction treatment spaces as part of our commitment. There are 11 uh, recovery communities at various stages of development, including four being built in partnership with First Nations communities. Harm reduction and safe consumption sites are also part of the continuum of care as well. And we are also extending the continuum to the provincial correction system, where we are working with partners to establish therapeutic living units, uh, discharge planning, and transitional supports that help facilitate treatment and recovery for inmates in the correctional system. Therapeutic living units, or the TLUs, help uh, people in custody by combining treatment and counseling and behavioral modeling to address root causes of addiction. The first TLU opened in Red Deer at the Remand Centre there late in July with uh, 10 people that are currently participating in the program. So far, we have received very positive comments uh, from both participants as well as the program's team. Uh, These kinds of supports in correction facilities will assist people on their way to recovery before uh, they are uh, released back into the community and to help stop the cycle of abuse. I'm encouraged with the uh, action that uh, that, uh, we as uh, partners have taken here today. And uh, as I've often said, uh, it is our government's stance that it's possible to be tough on criminals preying on our most vulnerable and provide hope and recovery to those battling addiction. We can show zero tolerance towards these violent criminals that are causing uh, disorder in our communities, and we can do both. With the actions that we've announced so far and through ongoing work with our partners, Alberta's government is committed to doing both. So thank you. I'd like to now invite uh, Mayor Sohi to the podium to say a few words. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I'll get this out of your way. Well, thank you, Minister Alice, and good afternoon. I would like to begin 
by acknowledging that we are gathered here today on Treaty uh, 6 territory as well as the homeland of Métis Nation of Alberta. Criminal activity and disorder affect all of us. If changes, it changes how we feel in our neighborhoods and communities. It is a heavy burden on businesses. It hurts our ability to attract investments and tourism. We got to this crisis through decades of neglect and underinvestments, and it will take a long-term commitment from all of us to turn the tide. We need social supports like housing, mental health, and addictions recovery. So many of you reach out to me and counsel to tell us how this crisis is negatively affecting you, your family, your neighbors, your businesses, and Edmonton's most vulnerable who are struggling with houselessness and addictions illness. Through the recent engagement with our city, from our city conducted, we heard you that you're concerned about visible drug use in public spaces. Everyone here agrees that the status quo is simply not working and things must change. We need to stabilize the situation. That is why I'm here to support the government of Alberta and Edmonton Police Services safer public spaces approach. The goal of this approach is to keep violent offenders, repeat offenders, and people trafficking drugs off our streets to make our public spaces safer for all, including those who are most vulnerable to this criminal activity. We will not tolerate organized crime operating in our city. The people who commit these violent crimes need to be held accountable. I'm pleased to hear that Mr. Emery is building special prosecution units in both Edmonton and Calgary. These special units will help ensure that our justice system is becoming more responsive and coordinated. I have been calling for such coordination to occur ever since I got elected. We know that congregating and using drugs in public spaces is unsafe for people who use drugs and create conditions where these vulnerable individuals may be preyed upon. It also harms the vibrancy and safety of public spaces and important business districts. I want to thank the frontline members of the Edmonton Police Service who work hard to keep Edmontonians safe. The success of this initiative will rest on these officers who work in our communities every day. I know that your job is incredibly difficult, and your hard work does not go unnoticed. I trust that this situation will be handled with professionalism and compassion as you embark on this work. I also want to thank the government of Alberta my office and I have been working hard to build a collaborative relationship with them to make our communities safer for all. I feel that Government of Alberta is making concerted efforts to understand the unique challenges that Edmonton is facing. We have compiled a list of immediate, medium, and long-term actions to enhance safety and well-being. We have shared that list with Government of Alberta.
While I'm here to support the safer public spaces approach, I'm keenly aware that the situation we're facing today is a symptom of a bigger problem. Part of the discussion leading up to today's announcement with all of the people here today has been to take immediate actions to stabilize the situation as we continue to build the social infrastructure and services that are necessary to implement long-term solutions to tackle root causes. As this new approach is implemented, I hope that EPS will monitor and evaluate its success and identify any gaps that become evident. While today's announcement is an important step, I know that it will not solve all of our problems until root causes are not dealt with. While stabilizing is necessary, I assure you that, we'll keep, that I will keep working together with our partners on the long-term solutions, including permanent supportive housing, harm reduction, and a full spectrum of resources to support treatment and recovery. So thank you. Now we'll like to invite Chief McPhee to the podium. First of all, thank you all for being here with us today, and uh, certainly Mr. Amory, Mr. Ellis, Mayor Soe, Police Commissioner Chair Atman, and our members of our community, our business community, our partners that have been in this for a long haul, and your voices have been heard, and certainly today is a start of a new direction. Today we are standing up for safer public spaces for all Edmontonians. There's been a visible increase in socially unacceptable behaviors on our streets, in places like our parks, pedways, LRT stations, and most other public spaces across our city. The impacts of open-air drug use and the drug trade have become increasingly prominent, unpredictable, random, and violent behaviors due to the types of drugs available are rising, and the criminal element is only growing. To be clear, this is simply not about drug use or abuse. This is about what comes along with it. There is a link between the drugs and the types of drugs that are on the street, between criminality and severe violence. One that is associated with the activities like break and enters, weapons, assaults, and victimization every day, including taking many guns off the street every day. Again, the levels of brazen crime, violence, and random violence in our city are the first and foremost safety concern that we're talking about here today. As the mayor has indicated and the ministers have indicated, there are many social factors that contribute, but blatant disregard for public safety and a growing victimization rate are the Edmonton Police Service's biggest priority. Often these victims are everyday Edmontonians. Our city's public spaces should be used for reasons that are intended, as you've heard before. No one should be at risk of becoming a victim when taking transit, walking the sidewalks, and no one should be made to feel unsafe or worse yet, fearful to leave their residence. That also extends to our vulnerable community, who are often the ones that are most victimized by the individuals that are classified sometimes the same way as everybody else. There are people of a predatory nature with ties to gangs and organized crime perpetrating these problems, and then that ends up targeting all Edmontonians. 
I want to be clear. This isn't just about an issue for one demographic. I hear that lots. That's not the case. It's an issue for all of us. Creating safer public spaces isn't a special project or initiative. This work has no end date. This is ongoing, evolving with our partners, some of which you see here today, to chart a better path, one that supports those victimized, effects sustainable behavior change on drug use in public spaces, and holds the people responsible for the movement of the drug trade and violence accountable for their actions. Diversion first programs, partnerships, the work of HELP, PACT, Healthy Streets Operations Centre with our partners at RADIUS, Integrated Care Facility, Transit Safety are all things that we've been looking at doing things different through partnerships and we're seeing some results starting to show promise. But unless we have the right service in partnership, some of this goes for naught. And that is what we're doing now. This isn't about the back end of the system and enforcement. We, for three, four years now, have been building the front end of the system. And from what we heard from Minister Avery today, Amory today, actually takes it a step further when we can hold those that are obviously responsible for this level of violence accountable through relentless prosecution. That's a critical piece. Social issues such as mental health and addictions contribute in order it's safe to do so individuals are willing. We will continue to connect them with needed supports. So please, when you report on this, the people that are at risk and are vulnerable are going to get connected to supports. That hasn't changed. That's what we've been doing for a few years, contrary to what some say. This is and will remain a balanced approach. As a police service, we have five main objectives. Let's be clear. One, reduce violence, particularly random violence, by addressing all contributing factors, much of which are closely related to the drug trade and the types of drugs on the street. Two, affect sustainable change within public, safe, public spaces, including open-air drug use that has often left people with a feeling of lawlessness and a fear for their own safety, because of the types of activities associated with such. Three, offer supports to those who are victimized and links to the treatment when they are willing. Always will be a priority. Four, aggressive enforcement on those who are supplying and carrying out the drug trade, who often target and victimize the most vulnerable Edmonton's community members with violence intimidation. We're coming to see you soon. And five, work with the City of Edmonton to address the unacceptable levels of violence, victimization, and public safety threats tied to encampments. This, too, has a high risk of safety. We know there is more needed in all aspects of social safety ecosystem, but we can't afford to wait until everything is perfect. We can't, our community members can't, our service providers and our businesses can't wait. Some are losing their livelihoods. Some are losing their ability to enjoy their own properties. And the reality is, is if we wait for the perfect infrastructure to be in place, we'll be in the same place in five years from now. The people of Edmonton are resilient, but it's time to take action. We get what we tolerate. 
and where collectively we've been tolerating way too much. This approach sends a clear message that these behaviors are not welcome in our city. But again, those that are stuck in a system that need a hand up will be treated that way. Those that choose violence and hurt people accordingly will be dealt with in a different way. Both are important. That's what balance is, and that's what we're committed to do. So thank you, and we look forward to your questions. I invite Christina Trang, co-chair of Chinatown and Area Business Improvement Association for her remark. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Christina Trang, co-chair of the Chinatown and Area Business and Improvement Association. I am here today to address a matter of the utmost importance, the safety and well-being of our beloved Chinatown. As a community member, I stand before you not just as a representative, but as someone who has personally experienced the scourge of violence that has afflicted our community for far too long. I would like to use this opportunity to share a brief account of my own experience. I also recognize that I am not alone in having felt the pain, fear, and frustration that violence brings to our doorstep. It's a story that echoes with countless others in the downtown core, which is why this announcement is near and dear to me. I lost my father in May of 2022, where he was innocently at work. It was a senseless, violent act. This approach announced today is vital in our fight against increase in random crimes. Open drug use creates an environment that attracts criminal activity, posing a threat to the safety and security of our neighborhoods. It feels theft, assault, and other serious offenses, compromising our community's well-being. Today, I'm encouraged to see the province, the city of Edmonton, and EPS working together that our government is taking a strong stance to combat criminal activities in the Chinatown area and downtown area. The damage caused by violent criminal hurts our communities in ways that limit our freedoms. People are afraid to take public transportation, to come down to Chinatown, businesses are fleeing, and livelihoods have been lost. It is now normal for businesses to keep their doors locked during business hours. Community members dread receiving panic phone calls from each other when incidents occur. This is no way to live a life. These are only an example or two of what our community members endure day in and day out. We need to work together. We need to make our city a place where every Edmontonian can work our sh- walk our streets without fear. Thank you. Thank you, Christina. And that concludes the formal portion of our announcement today. Um, reminder, we're going to move over now to the question and answer portion of this announcement. Reminder that available to answer your questions are Minister of Justice, Mickey Emery, Minister of Public Safety and Emergency Services, Mike Ellis, Mayor Sohi, Chief Dale McPhee, our community partners, President and CEO, Oilist Entertainment Group, Stuart Valentine, and Christina Trang, co-chair Chinatown and Area Business and Improvement Association. I invite the media to ask one question and one follow-up from the floor, and then we'll take it over to the phone lines. Uh, Arthur Green, Western Standard. My, uh, my first question is for uh, Chief McPhee. Um, I'll wait for you to get to the podium. Thanks. 
Um, Chief, are Mexican cartels running the streets of Edmonton, and are they controlling the Red Alert Indigenous gang on our streets? Well, that's a bit of a loaded question. Are the cartels prominent in Alberta? Yes. If they have a presence in Edmonton, you bet they do. Is the relationship with some of the violence in some of the cartels uh, part of it? Yes, it is. Uh, but it's not just cartels that are running the streets. There's levels of violence for a different organized groups, some way more organized than others. Uh, sometimes when the drug trade is involved, certainly these factions come together to collaborate for their job. Uh, but I don't want anybody thinking that we have a whole bunch of people from Mexico running around here, that that's the only response here. But is there connections to some of this? Yeah, there has been for years, and that's not unlike many other cities. What the thing is in relation to this is the thing that the most effective is it's uh, hardcore enforcement that's going to ensure they're accountable. And I think why today and part of the... Uh, the announcement that Mr. Amory said with the prosecution uh, unit in relation to violence and certainly some of the things that we're doing in relation to enhance that from an enforcement perspective are absolutely critical uh, to the strategy and that's why they're at the center of it from a violence perspective. Adrian, South City News. I believe this one would be for Minister Amory. Um, on the triage protocol, that was initially caused by court delays. So are those delays over and is there additional funding for courts and remand? Yeah, so uh, over the course of the past number of years, we have been able to shore up the resources and the number of prosecutors that the ACPS has, and we are very confident that the caseloads per prosecutor have gone down to manageable levels. We're certainly able to um, uh, address the issues as they come with no concerns uh, that the uh, initial triage system brought forward. Uh, Jeremy Thompson with CTV. Um, yeah, continue with, with you, Minister Amory here. I'm just wondering... Um, you know, can you tell us more about these sort of uh, prosecutor groups who are who are going to be doing the bulk of this work? Yeah. Where are they coming from? You know, is there coverage for what they were working on before? Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. Absolutely. Uh, so the Alberta Crown Prosecution Service has put out the call for pro prosecutors who are interested in coming forward and dealing with this specialized and dedicated uh, group. Uh, those uh, prosecutors will be recruited from the existing Crown Prosecution Service. They will be uh, sort of restructured in a way that they address the particular issues of the high crime zones in Edmonton and Calgary downtown cores as well. Uh, what, uh, what I think the distinct advantage is here is that when you have a team of dedicated and specialized uh, prosecutors. They will develop certain skill sets. I think that will be advantageous. They will develop efficiencies um, and effective prosecutions through the, that specialization. They will become familiar with the communities. They will become familiar with the bad actors, and they'll become familiar with the neighborhoods for which they are working within. I think that all has distinct advantages. And just, you know, it says uh, you know, the focus is on, you know, repeat violent offenders and sort of gang-related folks, I guess, how do you, I don't know, where, where do you draw the line on, on sort of what constitutes violent offenders? You know, where, where do you sort of draw that line? Um, and and <laughs> maybe I'll do a two-parter here because this is my follow-up. Just how does, this, how does this sort of action kind of interface with the federal bail reform that we expect is, is coming later this month? 
Well, I mean, when we talk about violent crimes, I think we all are well aware of some of the things that are happening within our downtown cores. Uh, communities are no longer safe for people to walk in and shop and enjoy. We've heard pleas from businesses and families that they should be entitled and they should be able to conduct their work and their business and their leisurely activities without fear of being assaulted or being approached or walking by uh, open air blatant flagrant uh, drug usage. I think that um, you know these are the things that we're going to address. We're going to look at those who are committing repeat offenses as well because we want to send a message that those who do not regard our public safety measures will face consequences. They will pay the price for their actions. When it comes to our federal counterparts, we've been working very hard. Ever since my appointment, I've been in contact with our federal counterparts to try to encourage them to move forward with their bail reforms. Uh, I've been encouraging them to assist us with more fed superior court uh, judicial appointments as well. What we know is that, as you've heard from many of the people who have spoken today, this is a collaborative effort at all levels of government, and we certainly are committed to working with all levels to make sure that public safety remains a paramount uh, objective for all of us. Hi, uh, Keith Dren from the Edmonton Journal. I'm not sure who to address this to. Maybe I'll try the mayor to start, and maybe someone else could jump in if they, if they have something to add. Uh, I received a tip just before this press conference that Boyle Street has been evicted from their facility. Um, with their new facility is obviously not even close to ready. Do you have any information on that? Why would that have occurred at this point, and what would be the plan to manage that if those people have no place to go? Uh, we have heard the uh, similar concern raised to us yesterday, and we are inquiring with the boil to uh, get to the bottom of uh, if that is the case. I don't know if that is the case. Uh, I think uh, such an eviction without having a plan in place until the new facility is, is in operation will have a devastating impact not only on the lives of the most vulnerable, but also it will ri give rise to uh, some of the concerns that we have been sharing here today about uh, public disorder and, uh, and, and or the safety issues. But I don't know, but I hope that is not the case, but we are inquiring into it. Okay. Uh, and then I follow up, I think, for Minister Amory. Um, you were asked about the prosecution service. I was just curious about the legal aid side of this. Is that at enough capacity to deal with this, these kind of cases as well? Yeah, uh, as you may already recall, Legal Aid was uh, received a significant additional funding uh, just last year, um, raising the, uh, the the tariff rate uh, for Defence Council and, and, make, and making sure that it's sustainable for the future and upcoming years. So we certainly believe that Legal Aid has been supported well by the provincial government. And we'll continue to do so. Christina, if you wouldn't mind stepping to the mic. Thank you, Sarah Ryan, Global News. Thank you so much for being here. Um, we really appreciate having your voice here as journalists. Um, can you just talk a little bit about how some of these initiatives, you know, the list that Mr. Amory gave, uh, might have helped protect your dad? Um, I mean, that's a question that's always going to be, could it have changed anything? So I don't have a definite answer right now, but I think it's encouraging to see that all level of government is working together and trying to improve that and hopefully prevent that from happening in the future. Correct me if I'm wrong, your family has spoken out about repeat offenders in the past, right, with regards to your dad? Uh, no, I don't think so. 
Um, my next question is for Mr. McPhee, please. We were here, hi, we were here a couple months ago and you talked about being tired of tripping over people, doing drugs outside this very building. Can you talk to me about um, how this specifically is going to be different for your officers? I understand some of the justice changes, but for your yeah, officers. Yeah, and, and I mean, as I said, this is an all-encompassing strategy. It's not specific to one area, but when it comes to uh, the use in our public spaces, um, what we're looking for from our officers, which you know, um, is basically to interact with that individual, find out what's going on. It's not going to be okay to do meth in front on the sidewalk anymore. And hopefully this message will get through. Um, we have three safe super, uh, supervised uh, consumption sites right now, potentially one possible that's being talked about right now to add a fourth. We're the only city that has that. Certainly there's the ability to use those services if that's what they choose to do. But it's not going to be okay to use this and take away the lawful enjoyment of everybody else, including young families that are walking in these spaces. So how that would work is we will obviously arrest and seize the drugs. Every officer has discretion. We're not looking to put vulnerable people into the justice system. We haven't been, I think... Uh, Minister Ellis, correct me if I'm wrong, was there five people or one person in jail for simple possession in the last five years? You gave that number, not that long. Five in five years. So that's no longer been a, a, a something that we do. What we would do, though, is in the particular individual, look at connecting to services. We've got help. We got packed. You know, you now got the integrated care center that we just talked about. We got diversion first. But at the same time, if that person is one of those violent offenders, has a weapon, then they're going to be dealt with in the justice system. So well, the whole point is we're not walking by anymore. The reality is there needs to be some rules, and we need to get back to some basic guidelines in those rules. I like to say with empathy, and I believe, and I know that our officers are trained very well in this particular thing, but as you were, there's a lot of reasons why we got to this point, and a lot of it has been, you know, people out there with their cell phones basically can start, do whatever they want, is also why we're trying to go to body camps, to obviously protection of the officers, transparency to the public. All of these things are going to take time to get there, but we can no longer just let watch our city decay without trying to intervene and find out. We're very good at connecting people to services, all of our programs help pack. All of them have been evaluated by third parties. All of them have been very effective. All of them show high degrees of success. We will be obviously counting on our third-party partners, and it's really encouraging to see Tricia from Radius Health here. They are an exceptional organization that specializes in the care of the vulnerable people. They provide housing, they provide services, stabilization, virtual opioid dependency program, which we have in all of our DMUs thanks to the province. All of these things now that we've built out that we have, we're going to use everything to get the right service to the right person at the right time to actually alleviate that situation. But what we're not going to do is just let them continue using those drugs in front of that mall door that we've talked about. They can call us. Keep in mind, there's only so many of us, and you know the scope of this issue. Not, uh, I want to be clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's clear. Yes, thank you. Move over to the phone lines. Um, operator, could you please put through the first? Lisa Johnson, Post Media. Hi, 
thanks for taking my question. This is for Mayor Sohi. Uh, I apologize for being off topic from this announcement today, but Mr. Mayor, you said in mid-August that city administration had been asked to do an analysis on whether the provincial renewables pause would impact the city's two power purchase agreements. Is that analysis complete and does the city anticipate any impact to its power purchase agreements? Uh, that analysis, uh, I don't have all the information about it, but the preliminary uh, uh, analysis that I have uh, heard back from administration is that uh, there's no immediate impact on the uh, on the contracts that uh, City of Edmonton has purchased with the uh, renewable companies, uh, but we will continue to monitor the situation and uh, uh, and continue to share that information with the AUC. Do you have a follow-up, Lisa? Sure, yeah, thanks for that. Um, just related to that as well, they, we saw a document last week containing stakeholder feedback from the Alberta Utilities Commission, and in that document, the city said uh, the pause on approval should be as short as possible uh, because the city's goal of becoming carbon neutral by 2050 relies on the Alberta energy grid transitioning to net zero. So I'm wondering if you think the seven-month pause has any impact at all on the city's net zero goals? Um, uh, as far as I, as far as I know, at this time, it does not, right? Uh, but if would, then we will absolutely communicate that. Operator, please move through the next caller. Elena Smith, Globe and Mail. Thanks for taking my question. Uh, my question is for Mr. Amory. I know you said earlier, I think it was maybe after the first question, that resources have been allocated to the Crown Prosecution Service, um, but there have been years and years of issues related to prosecutors being overworked, significantly understaffed. So I'm wondering if you can be more specific in how many Crown Prosecutors are currently working in Alberta, how many the service needs to complete this workload, and the added work announced today without issues. Thank you uh, for your question. Um, since uh, 2019, we've added an additional 50 prosecutors to the Alberta Crown Prosecution Service. That brings us to around uh, 300. We'll get the exact number to you here shortly. Uh, my, my most recent reports, which have happened uh, as of days ago, is that the Crown Prosecution caseload is at a very manageable level at this point in time. It's lower than it's been in years, and we're certainly confident that we'll be able to take on this additional uh, responsibility and be able to prosecute to the fullest extent where and when required. Do you have a follow-up? Could you uh, just to follow up on your response there? You said the caseload is manageable right now. I'm wondering with the triage protocol, once it's you know listed, how many cases you think would be added um, to Crown Prosecutors' plate after that budget? Like how many, I guess, since 2017 have kind of fallen to the wayside because of that? And would you see similar trends kind of when it comes back? It would be uh, very difficult for me to speculate on the number of cases that would be added. I can say that uh, department officials have provided me with extensive briefing uh, that indicates that the Crown Prosecution Service will be able to handle the additional caseloads as they grow. And we'll continue to support a uh, growth model with the Crown Prosecution Service as well to ensure that we meet the needs where and when required. Thank you. Operator, next caller, please. Carly Robinson, City News. Hi there. My question is for both the uh, chief as well as the ministers, either one who would like to answer. Um, about bail and enforcement of bail, we know there have been recent tragedies where the accused 
was out and was going against their bail condition. Uh, we know the case with the Chinatown homicide is being reviewed where he was dropped in our city against bail conditions. And more recently, the father of seven killed by a man who was near a transit station against bail conditions. So I'm wondering what needs to be done to enforce the bail conditions that do exist and what's being done about that. So there's a combination of things. Uh, it's a great uh, question, Carly, and you've heard about or me speak on this. I think first and foremost, just by having uh, the additional prosecutions, the reality is the level of violence, the people that you're talking about, having looked at that, never should have been out on bail. So it stops there. You can take that one. You can take the, the young girl or uh, the young child and, and her mother at the school. I could probably name 10 of them off the top of my head. You can take the 26 homicides, all with extreme violent records that we've had in the last two years. First and foremost is using the data, using the information to ensure that the justice system is using the right thing to keep people inside. As far as enforcement, hopefully by doing that first, uh, certainly that reduces the number. And then from our perspective, when coming across some of these people, specifically when we're talking about gangs, etc., we know who is on uh, those type of conditions and they're going to be breached. I know that Minister Ellis, and I don't want to speak to him now, but talked about some of the, in relation to the sheriffs, also uh, checking on some of these conditions. All of these things add up to a more effective and better uh, way of doing business. But I really, really want to focus on the fact is the best way to stop it is we got to stop the triple firearms prohibitions and some of these crazy conditions that we have out there. If you don't do it on the first firearms prohibition, I'm not sure the second and third one are going to work. And the reality is, I think if we could put the effort using the data, we've committed and met with the prosecution's office. We're looking at potentially putting a police liaison person over there so we better understand what the issues are in relation to the person. The whole point is getting the right people in the right system. We talked about this today about balance, vulnerable out of the system, but when it comes to the level of violence, most of these people aren't there on their first condition. That is always the case. So more front-end work is uh, is the biggest uh, contributor that we can make a difference. Thank you, Chief. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, certainly people that are, um, you know, have been released on bail who shouldn't be out on bail, quite frankly, should not be out on bail, full stop. However, uh, until uh, the federal government uh, proceeds with Bill C-48, which, of course, you know, as I've said, the devil will be in the details to see if that is going to be effective, one of the things that we're looking at as the province is creating, of course, is the Fugitive Apprehension Team. Uh, the Fugitive Apprehension Team would be something uh, that has actually occurred in the past. It was something that was uh, ended by previous governments, but we'll just say we're resurrecting this. Um, what it would be doing is working very closely with the municipal police services, obviously in, in working with Crown prosecutors, uh, for those folks that, that are out on bail, for those that uh, have conditions, as an example. Um, not only to go after those who have uh, breached conditions that it might be out on warrant, but certainly to monitor, to make sure that people are abiding by their conditions. And I think that is an important step forward as we wait for the federal government to proceed with C-48. Next caller, please, operator. Oh, do I get a follow-up? Sure. Uh, yeah, just on, on the topic of remand as well, uh, how confident are we that we have the capacity in remand and will there be an increased need for funding uh, with more people needing to be in remand? Yeah, well, with people not being detained in custody when they should be, there's lots of room in the remand centre. So 
Um, uh, I don't have the specific numbers for you, but I'm sure somebody in my staff will be able to get the exact numbers for you. But uh, from what I've been told and what we're briefed on, there certainly is capacity, there is capacity within our remand centers to ensure that uh, um, if people are breached and so if the justice system so does wish to detain people in custody, we have the ability to uh, hold them uh, pretrial custody. Thank you. We'll now take the next question, Operator. Catherine Grigowski, Alberta Today. Thanks for taking my question and whoever whoever wants to jump in on this. But um, on one hand, I'm hearing the city's in decay. People are using on the streets instead of at consumption sites. Um, violence is escalating. But on the other hand, I'm hearing that this sheriff pilot and the community response task force is working. So what is working and what isn't with the response so far? So I think in my remarks I had indicated that there have been they've yielded some positive results. Um, I didn't say at all that the system was perfect. I know we can allow Chief McPhee to expand on some of the initiatives that uh, that they of course have done, including I think uh, something you did on the transit system here, which I think yielded some very positive results. But again. These things are not uh, not simple. And I, I, again, I, I know I've been in rooms like this in front of media, some of you whose faces I know. Um, let me just be very crystal clear on this. There is no safe crystal meth. There is no such thing as safe crystal meth, right? So there's a difference between an accelerant and a depressant. So when we talk about a drug like fentanyl as an example, like heroin, is a depressant, that, is not, that does not mean that that individual is... Is, is violent. Usually they're in a, 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 a kind of a, a state uh, where they're um, somewhat passed out, which is why we want to make sure that they're in a safe place to use that particular drug. In crystal meth's case, this is where you start to see people that are, are violent. If you have a bad reaction to crystal meth, again, let me be crystal clear on this, there is no safe crystal meth out there. So in that case where somebody is using crystal meth and it becomes uh, a case where they have committed an act of violence, right, this is, th yes, this, this is where you're starting to see people that are committing very, very serious acts of crime. And this is where the police have to be able to intervene to stop that individual from smoking that crystal meth, which could possibly lead to something that is, is violent. I mean, these are, these are not, um, you know, this is the state of, state of affairs that we are seeing, not here in Alberta, but right across Canada. Go ahead, Chief going to take just a little bit of a different approach because I think the actual answer to that is in your question is it isn't one simple approach so what's working in some areas doesn't mean that we can continue to do that it's going to work in other areas so when we mentioned transit <coughs> the partnership that we've now have in fact uh, that the province funded 50 officers for us to get more officers hired in there in term now that the police are actually in transit because it's the right authority the numbers are start dropping as we work with our partners and we have a coordinated uh, plan there with the city when you look at the community safety teams when you look at the number of warrants that our sheriffs are executing along with our partners that is working when you look at our HSOC teams and how we're dealing with encampments it works when we do it but we can't always do it the same way because it needs consistency of process when you look at the number of health teams and the reductions that we're getting there, yes. But at the same time, the number of shootings have gone up. 
to 164 just as of the other couple days ago. What we know works, police presence. What we know is the right partnerships to slow down the feeder system, give you examples. You can give you examples, uh, radius health. There's all kinds of things, but this is the problem that we faced here, uh, in my opinion, uh, for too long. Stop focusing on one-dimensional uh, plans. The reality is we need a system to do this collectively. We need a system that's relentless, and it all starts with some basic rules of, rules of what's going to be acceptable, and those rules don't have to be justice rules. Sometimes they're health rules, but unless we actually hold those rules in place, you get what you tolerate. So that's a great question. Thank you for that question. And we're going to continue to monitor this, and we need to deploy where we can. And that part of that is tactical deployment, which is what we're doing right now, and is which is why one of the biggest gaps that we've had is we've been tactically deploying only to see the same individual out the next day. That doesn't work. So it's time for a different approach, and that's what we've been saying for quite some time. And we all know the reasons of Bill C-75. I was a deputy minister at the time. I get it. Nobody wants to put the vulnerable people in jail, but not every vulnerable person is just a vulnerable person. When you choose to stab somebody, shoot somebody, take somebody's loved ones away, it needs some accountability, and that's what we're talking about today. We have to deal with the violence and the connections of those feeder systems to violence, and we need the right partners at the table that don't throw each other under the bus and we get it done. Do you have a follow-up, Catherine? Yeah, and, and when the task force was announced in December, I think there was $187 million to address addiction and homelessness in Edmonton and Calgary. Wondering how much of that money has been spent on some of these initiatives. Well, sorry, I don't, I don't have those, uh, those numbers directly in front of me, but certainly, you know, if you go back, you'll see a lot of announcements that we've made as a government. Um, I'm going to expand a little bit maybe what the chief has said, which has to do with um, there is, and I said that you're talking about one dimensions, chief. Again, there is no one single solution to this extremely complex problem, and I see this time and time again where somebody will say, well, if only we did this, well, if only we did that. But the reality is, is that what we're trying to do here, as I've stated for several years, is to create a system of care, a system of care that does not exist anywhere else in North America, a system of care that is being, um, quite frankly, recognized as the Alberta, Alberta model right across, right across North America. We're trying to tackle this from a multitude of different fronts, making sure that we have a, a, a system of care to help those who are most vulnerable, people that are facing severe mental health and addictions also. But we also have to make sure that we are, as, as the chief indicated, stopping that, that, that uh, uh, funnel of, of, of drugs that are coming in through organized crime. And, and then also making sure that we are protecting our citizens, right? Make, make sure, again, there is no, um, you know, we, we cannot continue to tolerate these, these stranger-on-stranger stranger crimes, these random acts of violence where somebody, it's not as though they're getting just punched on an LRT station. They are getting stabbed and murdered. So we have to stop this. So this is a very, very complex problem with no one single single solution. But rest assured, what we are doing here on Alberta, which is why the activists are not happy about this, is leading not just Canada, but leading North America on this issue. Thank you. That concludes our announcement.